Hi guys, this is the eighth episode of Virtual Team Talk. I am here today with Pause, um, and we're just going to talk about a few things, including destigmatizing mental health, books I've really enjoyed and books we've all enjoyed, reading, and a bit on mindfulness as well. Um, do you guys just want to introduce yourself, please? Sure, I'll start. My name is Jacqueline Maloney, and I'm one of the emotional health and well-being practitioners that works with the PAUSE UOB drop-in service, which is normally in the library lounge on campus. And now we're offering that service by phone. Hi, I'm Alice Miller, and I'm also one of the um, emotional and well-being practitioners um, based at PAUSE UOB. Great. Uh, I think it'd be nice just to give some context on how PAUSE came to UAB in the first place. Sure. Um, So PAUSE, many of your listeners may already be aware of PAUSE Digbeth. So that is the original PAUSE. And I think it was founded about seven years ago or so. And it's a partnership between Forward Thinking Birmingham and the Children's Society. And what it is, is a drop-in mental health space for young people up to the age of 25 to come in without an appointment and speak to a healthcare professional, or I mean a therapist or a mental health professional to talk about um, how they're feeling, any kind of issue, any kind of mental health issue um, or emotional health issue. And this service was... um, has been very successful and started trying to increase their outreach into the community by doing some pop-up services in different parts of Birmingham. And one of those sites was the UOB campus. So throughout 2019, I believe, um, UOB hosted the pause pop-up and with a lot of positive feedback from students decided to apply for a grant to run a more full-time pause drop-in service on campus. So a partnership formed between UOB, Forward Thinking Birmingham and the Children's Society and they applied for a grant through the Office of Students. Um, The the grant um, funding package was called, or the application competition was called Achieving a Step Change in Mental Health Outcomes for Students. Um, and this, the Office of Students um, created this opportunity, I guess, um, to address the recognized increase in mental health need amongst students and young people generally. So UOB is one of the 10 universities who were successful in this grant application and the pause UOB drop-in service on campus is the outcome of that process. Nice and how are you um, dealing with the closure of campus? How are people getting in touch with you? So whereas previously um, we have tried our best to keep it um, a kind of same drop-in model and not set up appointments so that people are able to contact us whenever's convenient for for them. Um, So we've got a phone number and an email and I think the email is probably the easiest. So um, anyone who wanted to use our service would email askbeam, so A-S-K-B-E-A-M, at childrenssociety.org.uk um, and they just say that their name um, and that they would like to have a session with one of one of us and then that's all an automated system where um, the registration and consent forms are sent out to the person and they fill them in and then we contact 
the student to arrange a time that's suitable for them to have a conversation. Um, one of us would generally give them a call back and offer a session for about half an hour. Uh, obviously, we can um, talk for as long as, as the person needs and we're able to offer advice and guidance as well as specific strategies for whatever issue the young person might be facing. Okay, that's really good. I think I like the fact that it's, you know, a drop-in service because I feel that a lot of people might find it hard in the first instance to book that appointment. So, you know, that's a barrier that's removed. Do you think that is something that you've noticed as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we're, it's certainly when we're in the library lounge, we often get people who've been just sat doing their work or chatting with friends, having lunch, seeing the signs and they'll kind of just come over and sit down and say, oh, I've just been looking at your sign all morning. And actually, I think this would be a really good time for me to talk rather than having to um, speak to a GP or make an appointment with somebody slightly less intimidating. And I, I think the feedback we've been getting from the phone calls is similar is that it's less pressure to be able um, to just make a time and to choose that time that's appropriate for you rather than say somebody going right we're going to call you at nine o'clock in the morning when actually you might not be in a space to talk about whatever it is you need to talk about at that point. Mm, definitely. Right we're, we in the library lounge um, this the location of our service was chosen very strategically um, trying to be located right in the center of campus and somewhere where a lot of students would see us. And the library lounge is one of those places where there is a lot of traffic and most students have to come to the library at some point. And so we've had students who said that they were aware of us having seen our sign by going into the library many times, but only eventually decide to come up and ask to have a chat. Um, but since then, we've also had students request a phone conversation who had had that experience, but not yet made the decision to actually come and discuss how they were feeling. Um, but I think maybe now that you can do it through the phone is also um, a lower barrier for some people as well. Yeah, definitely. And do you think students are a group that particularly need help? Because I've also always felt that. I am most stressed when I've got deadlines and that is when my mental health is probably at its worst when I'm just thinking so much about you know what this grade means what um was going to happen once I hand this in um and I think by being in the library it's kind of a step away whilst you're working but also it's a really nice just a break to have and to literally just pause and like take a step back yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, the closure of the campus in light of the COVID restrictions um, coincided exactly with this time of end of term and all of the assignments and due dates that students were experiencing. Meanwhile, all of their regular daily routines have been also interrupted and potentially some of the services that they rely on to keep themselves well, um, such as meeting with friends, um, possibly counselling services that they were seeing regularly already may have been disrupted and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that there has been an increased in an increase in anxiety and symptoms of worry and stress um, that kind of 
not only came with the end of term, but also with the closure of so many services. Yeah, and I think that the lockdowns had a a real impact on everyone, obviously. Um, But I think that it's really important to note the impact that will have had specifically on university students. For lots of people, this is um, they wouldn't they've gone home for the first time in possibly years you know if you're some students at Birmingham and at universities across the country would have lived in halls in their first year and then moved into private accommodation and have just kind of would have stayed in private accommodation and maybe would have popped home to see family over the holidays but won't probably have lived at home for a prolonged period of time for a number of years and I think that that is a really big challenge on top of all the other trying to maintain your university work and find out what you're going to do next during this difficult time to then on, add on those other stresses of maybe being in the family home where you wouldn't have been um, having been in, living independently as an adult it can be quite quite um, challenging to be back at home with your parents or siblings as well. Mm, definitely I think I think when you go to university like I'm lucky that I've I live in Birmingham anyway I live in Solly Hill which is is just on the outskirts and I I did that on purpose because I just didn't want to be too far from home like knowing my issues with my mental health in the first place I really just didn't want to go too far so what would you say to people that have you know moved to a different city and on top of the virus have been you know experiencing these new levels of anxiety because I feel like a lot of the time you might not even realize it that it might be you know low moods it might be anxiety it might just be a case where you're just not aware of it but you know you need to have that advice in the first place I think oh okay I might be struggling with these things what do I do now? I would say to that um set of circumstances you're you're describing is that it's so important to listen to your body and listen to yourself and and try to tune into what it is you really need right now and try to recognize those symptoms and reach out for help if you need it um and one thing i would say that is and kind of a good thing that's come out of all of this for our service is that prior to the closure of the campus, we only saw students on campus. And now that we are offering phone support, we can, we can offer a session to uh, UOB students from wherever they are. And we have talked with students in other cities and in other countries um, so far since the closure. So please reach out. We are here to talk. Um, and there's, no issue or emotional um, need that you have that we won't be willing to talk about. Mm, definitely. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, I remember thinking in the first place when everything happened, like, when I was first diagnosed, I was like, oh, what? Like, I'm the only person ever that feels like this. Why am I like that? But in reality, you probably don't realise, like, how, you know, how common it is that people feel like this. And I think there needs to continuously be a really like destigmatization of mental health and that it is okay to have those bad days and to be honest everyone does have them absolutely and I think 
for students particularly it's an incredibly pressurized and stressful time in your life and I you know um, we talk Mm. a lot about the the kind of stats and the numbers and from the most recent research it's one in four students suffer from mental health um, difficulties during their academic career Um, and that's five times more than 10 years ago so there's been a huge increase and I think I know it's it's quite scary really but I think a lot of that comes with not only have you got the continued academic pressure like you were talking about deadlines and exams and all those kind of things but then on top of that you've got the pressure from how much it's costing for students it's a huge amount of money and students quite rightly want to make sure that they're getting the best they can for their time at university Um, and I think that for some it can feel like a bit of a three-year job interview where not only you're trying to do really well academically but you're trying to cram in loads of extracurricular activities and be really present and do internships and various other things and the huge amount of pressure that people put on themselves is you know going to obviously have a real knock-on effect um and I think also for some students who were commuting that's that could be you know an added couple of hours a day to and from campus Mm. and so many students now are working um I think it's something like like 10 percent of university students work a 37 hour week across on top of their student that you know across of their studies so I think there has been a huge increase in the stress and I think that um you know to be people need to be really gentle and kind with themselves that they're doing an amazing job holding all these things together all the time and to just give yourself um a bit of space to yeah like Jacqueline was saying to listen to what you might be needing at the time. On the topic of stigma too, I would add that people are have varying comfort levels with talking about mental health issues and emotional problems. Um, and that can vary widely across a population, um, communities and, th- and within families. So for some people, they may feel very alone with their struggle even though they're surrounded by people and people who are supportive of them in general, but they just don't feel comfortable because of the way to talk within their circles with about mental health issues because of this perceived stigma. And so if that's you, if you feel that you just, you have people around you, but don't feel comfortable to talk with those people, reaching out to unbiased professional that isn't going to talk about your issues with other people in your life can be so validating and helpful. And so that's where, that's where pause comes in again. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely feel that because I am, um, I'm in an Asian household and I remember like always feeling like, Oh, I can't talk to anyone because no one will understand. And it wasn't until that I did talk that I realized people do understand, but it's, it's just so hard. It's like, you you want to speak out for yourself, but there's this other part of you that's saying no one will understand. It feels like a constant battle, but in reality, once you you know you feel comfortable to talk to people, they are there and they will listen. We learned. Um, we had a, a staff meeting this morning in our pause UOB team, and we had some feedback from some. We each of the people we 
deliver a session with or ha- were certainly in the library lounge we ask that they give us a complete a feedback form because we are a new service and we want to make sure that we're being shaped by the needs of the students um and one of the statistics which was really reassuring was that 100% of the students who'd had a session with pause said they would recommend it to a friend for as a service so i think for us and i don't want this to be an ad, like an advert for pause but i think um the thing that I got out of that is that that we really will talk about anything it doesn't have to be feel like a really massive issue it could be a really small issue it will feel like it's a small issue for you but actually we are just there to talk to you about anything it doesn't have to be study based or university based and it could just be something that's been niggling in the back of your head for a little while that we are always there and open to talk about whatever it is you need us to talk about. I just as you were talking, Alice, I was just thinking too about the various levels of stress that the variety, like the the range of students are experiencing in their lives. And this past week or two, I, I think everyone is very aware of the violence in the United States and just how much the the news out of the United States and the events of the United States and the struggle for racial justice that is full it, throughout the news these days is affecting everybody on top of the COVID stress and the academic stress and the everyday stress. And so I just want to take this moment to also recognize the everyday stress that people of color experience in, in comparison to white students or white people in general, that, um, you know, the everyday reality of racism is something that we don't talk about enough, um, often enough. And that too is something that a lot of our students are living with on a daily basis. And I think that just right now, this particular moment is a very difficult one for so many people in all of these sort of compounded ways. Um, I watched a program in the summer called um, How to Break into the Elite and it was all about how people of colour and people from minority backgrounds, um, from underrepresented backgrounds, are less likely to succeed just because of their colour really and I think one of the examples was that um, someone from a privileged background, even if they um, got a tutu, was more likely to get a job um, an employment offer opportunity than someone from a minority background that had a first and I was just like no that can't be real but it, it was it's it's based on um, scientific evidence and a study that was done I think in Manchester um, and it is just shocking because you you think oh this that can't be real like surely hard work but if you think about it um, you know, some people are privileged enough to have those connections in the workplace and those networks. And it, it is hard to deal with that. But at the same time, you've got to think of the positives and think if you're learning, if you are doing those work experience opportunities, those skills will count. And it's trying to see the silver lining and things. And there are, you know, forms of underrepresentation in a lot of places, but you can overcome them. Absolutely. I was looking for statistics on this from the Mental Health Foundation of the UK. And it so much research just confirms that 
people of color face more social disadvantage, have a higher chance of experiencing poverty, have higher chance of unemployment and are more targeted by the police and then have more, you know, so like it's very much just established. That all being said, how do we live with that? Right. And, and try not to let that um, dampen our spirits or, make it difficult to carry on with our lives on a daily basis. However, it needs talking about. And I think that when people don't talk about it, it becomes worse. And that stress of not talking about it can become worse too. Um, And what I'm appreciating about right now is that white people, like myself included, are being forced to recognize the daily inequalities that people face and take this moment as an opportunity to become more educated about this and to make our everyday lives more responsible to, uh, more accountable to making equal opportunities available to everybody. Yeah, I think it's uncomfortable, but it needs doing. Yeah, if it's uncomfortable, I've been doing a lot of reading and listening myself um, over the last couple of weeks and um, certainly the uncomfortable feeling that that white people and like Jack and I include myself um, have just is is a is good we should feel uncomfortable and we should be doing more and and that's certainly a a really important thing for all of us um, to recognize that I think. And I think jumping back onto mental health, I think what has helped me feel less uncomfortable with how I feel is the books I've read and the experiences of other people. And it's just in a similar fashion to books on racism that I've read, such as um, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, um, Second Class Citizen, um, those books that I've read in my degree, you know, that have it's not, I guess, not less uncomfortable in that way, but I've been educated on that. And then in terms of the books I've read on mental health, that has made me realise like I'm not the only one that feels like this. And when someone puts it into words in a very poetic way, you realise that that is exactly how I feel. I didn't realise that the people, you know, feel their heartbeat when, you know, they're really, really nervous or feel this like, black dog or this black cloud over themselves absolutely I couldn't agree more um since starting work at pause I've been looking into the well-being resource collection at the UOB library um so for students who aren't aware there is a collection uh, at the library that is um comprised fully of well-being books so there's a lot of various on every kind of topic you can think of self-help kind of Uh, related books, but there's also literature, um, like fiction, stories, autobiography, um, memoir uh, about living with and overcoming mental health issues. Um, So I would strongly recommend looking to that list. And I know that the library is closed at the moment, but there are ebooks available to some books. And so if you just go to the find it search on the UOB library page, you can see if you can access any of that material right now. Yeah, I, um, I've got a, there are two of my favorites, um, if that would be helpful. Um, 
that I'd just like to mention. I, I feel like I'm, I suggest them quite a lot to people, but uh, I, they're the two that I found really helpful in my own dealing with my own mental health um, and also just on kind of feeling like you were saying Rima that it's not just you who's feeling like this uh, and the two that I really um, recommend on a reg on the regular are is Jog On by Bella Mackey and that um, is kind of like a love letter to running um, and don't let that put you off I am the world's least athletic person like I am <laughs> like a potato but it but, but um, it's a really frank account of of her battle with anxiety and I think it's really good for framing how exercise can play a a really important role in tackling our mental health troubles I think that even if that is just going for a walk and getting outside it's one of the things that we talk about a lot self-care in our pause sessions and I think that really basic thing of getting enough sleep eating the right things and getting outside can you know we often forget that our body needs all those things and it's really important um so although it may not necessarily spur you to run a marathon, it didn't me, but it did definitely um, help me look at building exercise into my own self-care routine. Um, and the second one is uh, How to Be Champion by Sarah Millican. Uh, she's a British comedian um, who is pretty well known, I, I think. Um, and she it's just really kind it's a it's part autobiography and part self-help book in the loosest sense of the the word uh, and it's very very funny and it kind of gives excellent on advice on how to deal with those little blips in life so like being maybe really good at uni or at school but not so brilliant at making friends or uh, looking at relationship breakdowns and in particular self-esteem and I think that that's a uh, it's a really gentle and really kind read for anyone who could just do with a bit of uh, love, really. It's a bit like a hug in a book, which sounds really cheesy, but I, I thoroughly recommend it. I'm going to tag on to your book recommendations there, Alice, and um, share some of my own. So I have the benefit and pleasure of living with a American historian and um I drew on his expertise to ask him how, what, if you could recommend one book to read right now to kind of help understand or increase your understanding of the Black Lives Matter movement and what's happening in the United States and which is also experienced here to some extent in the UK. And he said, without even a second's pause, that he would only ever recommend, if you could only read one book, to read Policing the Cart. Policing the Crisis, Mugging the State, and Law and Order, which is by Stuart Hall and his colleagues and was published in 1978. And most people probably know that Stuart Hall founded the Birmingham School of Contemporary Cultural Studies here at U of B. And this continues to be one of the most landmark texts on understanding the relationship between the state and um, and people of color, basically, and the the oppressive way that police interact with communities of color. So that is a recommendation from a historian. Um, and then you had mentioned Rima also why I'm not, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race by Remy Edo Lodge. And that book I think is a good one to read for um, people who want to be allies, but 
aren't quite sure how to how to be a white person and support the movement. Um, so our colleague Elise is currently reading this book as well, and she she said that she's finding it very insightful. Moving on to kind of like bibliotherapy type books, like how you were saying, Rima, that it it just makes you feel good to read something where you can ex- learn that somebody that other people are experiencing what you're experiencing, or the kind of hug in a book, Alice, that you were talking about. Um, I've been interested in the idea of bibliotherapy, like reading for wellness and um, not reading self-help books like step by step, but books of things that you can do, but more reading fiction that isn't just an escape, but that actually just makes you feel better. Um, But also maybe gives you an escape from your real life too, because that is something that we all need sometimes as well. So I've been interested in this concept and there's this book that I've just ordered actually, and I'm excited to receive in the mail one of these days soon. It's called The Novel Cure, an A to Z of Literary Remedies. And it's put together by, uh, it's an anthology and it's kind of like prescribed reading um, for an A to Z of ailments. So for example, you could look up low mood and there would be a recommended book for you to go to. And they're all novels. So I think that's just brilliant. And I'm really excited to go through that book and find lots of new ideas for reading. Um, And then there's this other book that I'm also really excited about and also just ordered called Well-Read Black Girl. And it's an anthology of essays by women of color, uh, writers of color, non-binary, queer, trans, differently abled writers who write about the representation of themselves in literature. And so I think that's, it's just so important to be able to see yourselves in the, see yourself in the stories that you read. Um, and I think this is a book where you can find some, some validation. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about that book as well. So for myself, when I think about the novel cure and the A to Z of, of, um, ailments that that you may prescribe a book for I currently am feeling um the the lack of of being able to book a flight and visit my family in Canada is making me feel more homesick than I otherwise would be because I didn't have a trip planned and I I don't have a cancelled airline ticket um but not being able to book a flight right now has made me feel more homesick than I otherwise would be I think and so I had a book on my shelf for a long time and I just started reading it uh, this week because it's making me feel connected to Vancouver and it's written by a friend of mine named Charlie Demers. Um, it's called Property Values and it's just, it's like a crime novel set in Vancouver that is going to make me feel like I'm a little bit in Vancouver. Um, and I think you just need to look in- inside yourself and feel, what do I need to read right now? What's going to make me feel good? So that's sort of where I'm at with reading right now for reading for well-being right now. Mm. Those are all really, really good recommendations. And I think there's kind of two sides to this. So I think there's like one side of trying to read um, books right now, which can try and educate yourself on, you know, Black Lives Matter and racial issues. And I know that I personally um made sure that a lot of my essays for the last three years were um focused on areas I wanted to be educated on and actually like 
want to be connected to. So um, one thing I'd say to any like second years or first years is I would definitely recommend picking those modules, which, you know, rather than just looking at Keats or Shakespeare or, you know, those those big names, um, white men, I would recommend, you know, not doing that actually. Um, it is great literature, but at the same time, why not pick modules that are more focused on black writers? Um, so for my third year modules, I they weren't compulsory, so I could pick whatever, whatever I wanted to pick. And I picked um, making global literatures, which was all about black writers um, and nationality and, you know, moving from one place to another, moving from Jamaica to England and, like, how that impacted them and how... Once they, when they were in Jamaica, for example, they were first class citizens, and when they moved to England, they felt like second class citizens. So I would definitely recommend, um, you know, focusing your essays on those areas, and at the same time, picking books which make you feel good, make you, you know, happy and feel connected to people, especially right now where it is really hard and it is a moment where you you can't see those people that you would normally see but if you can find those books where you you know you feel connected even if it means like you know just rereading your Harry Potter books and going back to Hogwarts like that is fine like just do those things that make you happy and read those things absolutely those are a lot of good tips there I was going to say too uh, around um, the impact of reading fiction reading literature there's a lot of research that shows that's, I think it's kind of more recently a research area of interest in research, um, looking into the impacts of reading for pleasure and the ways that it affects the brain. And there is a growing body of research that shows that it has a, a profound, like, um, scientifically measurable impact on mental health. It improves, it increases one's, um, empathy for others, understanding and tolerance um, of other ideas, and just makes people feel more connected and happier. Um, So there's loads of reasons to be reading right now, especially if you find yourself with more time on your hands. Mm, I think I found it hard to read for pleasure whilst doing third year, especially. I was just so busy. I was working part-time. I was, you know, commuting in um on three committees as well and then I was just like why don't I just listen to audiobooks like I just forgot audiobooks existed so like I have two hours of commuting daily and I would just listen to you know some audiobooks and I was just like that's just a great way to do it without you know straining my eyes or um thinking too much into it you can just close your eyes on the bus and just listen brilliant yeah when when reading's not your thing, listening can be, right? Um, I tend to more turn to reading to relax and find that space for myself where other people maybe turn to music. Um, where music is important for everybody, I think, but it's not as important for me as it is maybe for other people. So yeah, I think you just kind of know yourself and find for yourself the best way to access these kinds of self-help options that are available. On the topic of books, I just want to also mention that, um, you know, there's an increasing awareness of the sort of global monopoly that 
um, Amazon has. And so I would like to just suggest that people support this new independent bookstore uh, in Birmingham. It's called Back to Books Brum. And you can order, she's a book retailer, a woman who's run the, running this new business on her own. Um, and she has an awesome set of books uh, recommendations on her Twitter and Instagram page, and you can order books through her. Um, and I think she delivers by bike, which I also think is so rad. Um, so yeah, back to books from. That's great. That's um, really good. I, I was having this conversation with my mom and my brother, I think it was a week ago, and I was just like, I can't believe how much money um, the owner of Amazon has. And it was just really infuriating me. But it, it's, it's good to, you know, have those, you know, places and little bookstores that you know we can support locally yeah I also know from her the pictures of the books that she's uh providing um is that she has a commitment to underrepresented uh, voices in literature as well so yeah check it out yeah that'd be amazing I think it'd be nice just to wrap up on um mindfulness um and body scans because before we mentioned before we recorded um uh I talked about how I found it really hard to get to sleep um especially during this year writing my dissertation because I would just have all these questions in my mind because with a dissertation I think a lot of people can relate to this that it's such a big project and it's just something that can be ever evolving so you've always got oh maybe we should talk about this or you know you've always got those thoughts in your head I just if when I'm in the shower we think about my dissertation be like really you need to like stop but I think body scans um they really really helped me and really made me um you know get into the mood to actually be peaceful so um does anyone want to talk about what body scans are yeah sure um so I've got a, a really short body scan I'm aware that uh, you know you can um do them for 40 minutes or for five minutes depending on on how you want to practice them so I wanted to I'll, I'll share one um with the podcast in a second um but just for those who aren't kind of aware they're um, a mindfulness exercise and it focuses it helps you focus the attention on the physical sensations in your body and helps you to kind of uh, develop a mindful awareness of your body and that in turn can help reduce stress and relieve tensions and feelings of of being overwhelmed which I think is certainly something we can all relate to at the moment um, so yes yeah, so I've got a, a really short body scan that I'd like to share if that's okay yeah of course cool okay begin by making yourself comfortable sit in a chair and allow your back to be straight but not stiff with your feet on the ground you could also do this practice standing or if you prefer you can lie down and have your head supported your hands could be resting gently in your lap or at your side Allow your eyes to close or remain open with a soft gaze. Take several long, slow, deep breaths. Breathing in fully and exhaling slowly. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feel your stomach expand on the inhale and relax as you let go on the exhale. 
Begin to let go of the noises around you. Begin to shift your attention from outside to inside yourself. If you're distracted by sounds in the room, simply notice this and bring your focus back to your breathing. Now slowly bring your attention down to your feet. Begin observing the sensations in your feet. You might want to wiggle your toes a little, feeling your toes against your socks or shoes. Just notice without judgment. You might imagine sending your breath down to your feet as if the breath is travelling through the nose to the lungs and through the abdomen all the way down to your feet. And then back up again out through your nose and lungs. Perhaps you don't feel anything at all and that's fine too. Just allow yourself to feel the sensation of not feeling anything. When you're ready, allow your feet to dissolve in your mind's eye and move your attention up to your ankles, calves, knees and thighs. Observe the sensations you are experiencing throughout your legs. Breathe into and breathe out of the legs. If your mind begins to wander during this exercise, gently notice this without judgment and bring your mind back to noticing the sensation in your legs. If you notice any discomfort, pain or stiffness, don't judge this, just simply notice it. Observe how all sensations rise and fall, shift and change moment to moment. Notice how no sensation is permanent. Just observe and allow sensations to be in the moment just as they are. Breathe into and out from the legs. Then on the next out breath, allow the legs to dissolve in your mind and move to the sensations in your lower back and pelvis, softening and releasing as you breathe in and out. Slowly move your attention up to your mid-back and upper back. Become curious about the sensations here. You may become aware of sensations in the muscle, temperature or points of contact with furniture or the bed. With each out-breath, you may let go of the tensions you are carrying. And then very gently shift your focus to the stomach and all the internal organs here. Perhaps you notice the feeling of clothing, the process of digestion, or your stomach rising or falling with each breath. If you notice opinions arising about these areas, gently let go of these and return to noticing sensations. As you continue to breathe, bring your awareness to the chest and heart region and just notice your heartbeat. Observe how the chest rises during the inhale and how the chest falls during the exhale. Let go of any judgments that may arise. On the next out breath, shift the focus to your hands and fingertips. See if you can channel your breathing into and out of this area, as if you're breathing into and out from your hands. If your mind wanders, Gently bring it back to the sensations in your hands. And then, 
On the next out breath, shift the focus and bring your awareness up into your arms. Observe the sensations or lack of sensations that may be occurring here. You might notice some difference between the left arm and the right arm. There's no need to judge this. As you exhale, you may experience the arms soften and release tensions. Continue to breathe and shift focus to the neck, shoulder and throat region. This is an area where we often have tension. Be with the sensations here. It could be tightness, rigidity or holding. You may notice the shoulders move along with the breath. Let go of any thoughts or stories you're telling about this area. As you breathe, you may feel the tension rolling off your shoulders. On the next out breath, shift your focus and direct your attention to the scalp, head and face. Observe all the sensations occurring there. Notice the movement of the air as you breathe into or out of your nostrils or mouth. As you exhale, you might notice the softening of any tensions you may be holding. And now, let your attention expand out to include the entire body as a whole. Bring into your awareness the top of your head down to the bottom of your toes. Feel the gentle rhythm of the breath as it moves through the body. As you come to the end of this practice, take a full, deep breath, taking in all the energy of this practice and exhale fully. When you're ready, open your eyes and return your attention to the present moment. As you become fully alert and awake, consider setting the intention that this practice of building awareness will benefit everyone you come in contact with today. That was amazing. Thank you. I think one thing I'd just like to say is that it probably won't be perfect the first time you do a body scan. Your mind will probably wonder, and that's okay, like, you probably will wonder a few times really. I think it just takes time. It might take a few weeks for it to, I wouldn't say work, but for less thoughts to go in. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've not had a thought, but that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it's not about, um, I, for mindfulness, for, for me, it obviously means different things to different people, is that it's not about the absence of thought. It's not about not, thinking about things it's just about noting them and being aware that those thoughts are there and that those feelings are there and those emotions are all there but that that's not what you're focusing on at that time yeah definitely I was just going to say how relaxed I feel now and um, don't really feel like I'm in the middle of a podcast anymore I think it's also remembering that those feelings are valid, but at the same time, you know, they are just thoughts. They're not something that should control you. If you've got those worries in the most simplest sense, when you do a body scan, you sometimes realise that thoughts are really just thoughts. I find an image of, um, or when I've been listening to various mindfulness activities and when thoughts are described as passing clouds, that just kind of, I think the visual image of the passing clouds, you observe them, you see that they're there and let them keep on going is helpful. But yeah, like that idea that, yeah, they're there, 
but we're not worried about them. And it's not bad that you're having them while you're trying to focus on this relaxation, but the thoughts continue to be there. And that's, that's just what your brain is going to do. Mm, That's really helpful. That's a really um, great way to visualize it. Well, thank you so much for joining me both. Um, It's been really, really nice. Thank you for having us. No worries. It was lovely to talk with you today. Um, And if anyone is listening now and we're just, what is the quickest way to get in touch? Right now, the uh, best way is to send an email to our sort of central email address. And it's called askbeam at childrensociety.org.uk. So that's A-S-K-B-E-A-M at childrenssociety.org.uk. You can find that information on the well-being page for UOB. We also have a new Canvas page um, that's recently been constructed, but I think it's going to be full of resources and photos of us and things like that um, soon. So you can find us that way. And if you just Google pause in general, uh, forward thinking Birmingham pause, you'll find the ways to get in touch with us that way too. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Rima. You're welcome. Thank you.